0: Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Acts chapter 2 verses 46 and 47. Hey everybody, I'm Chris Dowd.
1: And I'm Reagan Gilliland.
0: And this is Off Script, podcast where every week we take a deeper dive on Mass Sunday sermon, talk about the theology behind it, and get a chance to discuss anything that ended up on the cutting room floor. Uh, but this is, what is this, week four of our sermon series, Faith Matters. Yeah. Question mark. Special yeah. shout out. Special shout out to Whitney Dowd. To, to my wife, yes. <laughs> 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 and uh, so, we've, so far in this series, we've talked about, Well, so the premise is, why is Christianity relevant? Mm -hmm. What do we have to, what good news do we have for the 53% of Americans who do not have a church home or not a member of a church synagogue or mosque, but obviously we're home team, church home. Church, yep. So we've talked about our common humanity, our common problem, our common solution, and now we are talking about our common home.
1: yes. So I love it because we're talking about community yeah. today, and that's, so that's just, like your wheelhouse, right? It's my wheelhouse. That's, your thing. that's what I love. That's Your jam. I love the passage in Acts. Like that's just my dream of people just hanging out, eating together, praying, sharing. Yeah. Like that's like part of me. Which is like I was in like a a nice cult where like everyone got to live in like one big house, like a big compound. Like that's my dream. A nice cult. A nice cult. <laughs>
0: is that is that how you're describing the early church? <laughs>
1: No. Maybe. I don't know. But uh like I keep telling my friends like we all just need to go buy a bunch of land and buy this and get a big old house or like multiple houses with tunnels mm. that connect.
0: And that sounds awful.
1: awful. See, that sounds like my awful. dream. That is like the
0: last <laughs> thing I would ever consider to
2: I think it's funny you've had this conversation too. All the time. I wonder if this is a generational thing. My friends and I are planning the same thing. Really? The mm-hmm. same thing. Huh. House, land. All our kids play together. Yeah, yeah.
1: or Mike, can we put our deposit down at like a CC Young already, and like we get like <laughs> the is whole it, floor?
2: Is it because it's so hard to afford a house as just two people? Now? <laughs>
1: probably. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> all right. It? Well, that could be
2: it. That's what I'm feeling. <laughs>
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about generational like all that stuff, but um, yeah, that's my dream is to just.
0: So we should probably. So if anybody hasn't listened to the sermon yet, what we're talking about is the response to the first sermon in Christian history. So mm-hmm. Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes down. Jews from all over the, from every nation under heaven, is the way the text puts it, are gathered in uh, together, and the Holy Spirit makes possible this this diverse community. And Will Willimon made the point that, for many people, that is the true miracle of Pentecost, mm-hmm. <laughs> that from all this diversity, you have unity. Yeah. I think is, there's something there that could be a whole series, probably. Oh, for sure. Certainly a sermon. So then Peter preaches the first Christian sermon. And the response is that 3,000 people are baptized, but that's not the end of the story. They're gathered together in community. And um, they do, you know, they so this big happy club that you're talking about, right? Yeah. So they, they study the apostles, apostles' teaching. They worship. They're still in the temple at this point. Um, they break bread together. That's mentioned twice mm-hmm. and led to my very awesome preacher joke that I had in the sermon. Was it? It was. <laughs> yes. You, you do not have enough respect for the classic preacher, preacher joke, Reagan. It's growing edge. I know. I'll work on it. <laughs> and then there's like, what what else are the other characteristics? Well, that?
1: they just like share in everything. So oh, it sounds like they just. Yeah, that's right. You know. There's that whole thing. There's that whole
2: thing.
0: Yeah. So. I, the, hey, the capitalist American at me bristles at that a little bit because it's about, um, well, so verse 44, all who believed were together and had all things in common, they would, listen to this. This is okay. so idealistic. <laughs> they would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Yeah, that sounds like terrible economic policy. <laughs> but that's a whole separate discussion. That's
1: a whole separate discussion. <laughs> All right, so I do want to. So you talk about loneliness at the kind of at the beginning of your sermon. Yeah. So loneliness really is a health crisis. I know you researched about it. Um, people underestimate the toll. What kind of what kinds of things happen when people are battling loneliness?
0: Mm-hmm. What I referenced was a, a Harvard study mm-hmm. that came out in February, and it was a uh, surveyed during the fall so in the middle of the pandemic mm-hmm. uh, the research is pretty consistent on this though that this is a, a modern problem uh, loneliness i think what surprised me uh, I mean, should this have i don't know if it should have or not i mean the the group the demographic group that was most lonely uh, were well, the one that they lifted up in their report mm-hmm. was 18 to 25 year olds
1: yeah that was surprising to me it was as surprising well. to me mm-hmm.
0: i mean i would have assumed the elderly Right. I mean, elderly that have family are ideally well cared for. But mm-hmm. I mean, the statistics on like elderly in nursing homes, the, the average number of visits per year is like, is just horrifically low. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, the, so they lifted up the 18 to 25 year olds, 60% of whom said they were quote unquote seriously lonely, which meant feeling lonely frequently, almost all the time or all the time in the four weeks prior to the survey. Yeah. And then, and this probably should not, should not surprise anyone, <laughs> but I think it probably does. 51% of mothers with young children mm. reported being lonely. Yeah. I mean, because parenthood, motherhood in mm-hmm. particular, we're coming up on Mother's Day. Yeah. I could have gone a whole mother route <laughs> with that, but I didn't. Um, but anyway, that's, that. I mean, that's a lonely, it's a lonely thing to do, reason, reason, or it can mm-hmm.
1: be. Yeah. yeah. So I know uh, with loneliness, I've. I've looked at a bunch of research and articles about that. They said, like, being lonely has the same effect of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Um, On average, like, people live 15 years, like, not, like, shorter Mm -hmm. if you're dealing with loneliness, Mm -hmm. which I thought, oh, my gosh. Um, And just, um, yeah, it just has the same effect of, like, obesity and just, like, major health Mm -hmm. things. Like, it takes a toll Mm -hmm. on you Mm -hmm. when you're lonely.
0: And then there's the emotional uh, kind of uh, mental health aspect yeah. of it. it can lead to depression and anxiety. Although you know, I mean, there's other contributing factors to depression and anxiety, obviously. But that's you're at higher risk for it if you're mm-hmm. on, um Substance abuse, domestic abuse. I mean, this is it's a problem. It's a real problem.
1: Yeah. So I thought what what was surprising with the 18 and 25. I I don't know what you guys think. I probably I assume 18 to 25. Like you are. You don't have a lot of obligations like you can just go and you can do whatever so man you are living the best life Mm -hmm. and half of those
0: years are college years right so it's like
1: (laughs) you're having a blast um
0: In, in theory ideally
1: yes right and so i think what happens is what we do a lot is that we often assume people because they're young or if you're a young mother like you know you you're getting to be a mom, so like your child takes up time. So of course you're like you're busy, but like just because you're in different phases doesn't mean you're being fulfilled. I don't know. And so I think um it just made me sad at thinking about how many young adults would probably just love to be invested in and checked in on. Mm-hmm. And I think we assume, like, oh we'll just be a nag. They're gonna think we're you know, we're old. <laughs> they don't wanna hear from them, but mm-hmm. I'm like, actually I think people would love to be loved on <laughs> and checked in on. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It just made me think about who in our lives that we may be overlooking that actually like really need some good community, mm-hmm. a good friend. I don't know.
0: I mean, I'm a company man, mm-hmm. so I think everybody needs it. Yeah, <laughs> right. And, and 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 I said it a couple of times specifically this way: the church at its best mm-hmm. <laughs> is good at this. Yeah, that's we're, we're that's what we're built for. That's what we, that's how we. That's how the church was born mm-hmm. and that, um, is what the church is supposed to be doing. Yeah. Whether or sure. not we do that effectively all the time. I think it's an open question. Yeah.
1: I also listened to this podcast once this guy, he was single and he talked about how sometimes, um, as people start to get married off, they just couple up and they never invite their single friends mm-hmm. to think. And he was like, you know, when I got, when I would get invited into the home, even if I didn't have anyone with me and I was single or like getting to witness my friend to be parents and like witness them read stories to their kid or like being he's like I loved being able to be part of that and witness that and and know what to look for when I found someone and so it just made me think about how even though you feel like I don't know if I should invite Joe like he's single will he feel awkward like no keep inviting him to things like Bring him into the community. And so I think it was just, the sermon just made me think about all the people we need to probably be reaching out to and inviting them yeah. into community.
0: Which is not only your wheelhouse, but that's actually your function on the staff, right? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of your, I mean, you're the, the self-identified pastor of good ideas and pastor of fun.
1: Yes, <laughs> trying. <laughs> and
0: then adult discipleship. Like adult discipleship is not just about but I say that because that's your official title, pastor, but it's not just about making sure we have good classes, Mm -hmm. right? There's a fellowship element of that. There's a service element of that. There's a justice ministries element of that. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think it's easy for the church to fall into this, um, rut maybe is the word of focusing on, you know, engaging sermon series, um, really putting a lot of effort into worship and then making sure Sunday school leaders have the right curriculum. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's because those are the, those are the immediate demands. Those are the things that come up week after week. Yeah. Uh, but there's more to it than that.
1: Yeah. So that new book that I just started reading that you're going to read to the class meeting. Yeah. I mean, I'm like eight pages in it, but he, uh, the author talks about how um moving towards going back to the John Wesley, like the class meetings, the band where we talked about more like, I'll tell you like more vulnerable questions about what is Christ doing in you? How do you see, mm. how do you see God? Um, because groups have become so curriculum based, there hasn't been that transformation because it's just, you're following. I know what to listen to. I answer these questions. I just consume and I don't actually have to share what God is doing. I'm right. like, Oh, which there's still a place for curriculum. Don't get me wrong. Right, But it, listening to this sermon and thinking about how can we be in a real community that's actually sharing mm-hmm. and growing together. Um, it just made me like, Oh, okay. Yeah. There are all kinds of groups but we need all different kinds of groups.
0: Well, so curriculum keeps us in our head.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and that's where it's, people feel safe. Of course. Right. They don't, that's uncomfortable. i
0: debate an idea yeah. than tell you how I'm really doing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, you know, some of the things that we've, we've talked about, uh, like, so churches need to always be starting new small groups and Sunday school classes because, um, it's hard regardless of how hospitable or friendly a group thinks they are. It's hard to break into a new group when they've spent 20 years together.
1: Yes. Yeah. You don't get the inside joke. So (laughs) you don't get the inside jokes.
0: You don't have the history and, and it, and listen, it doesn't, this is not a limitation of people's friendliness. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just a group dynamic thing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm excited to start some groups that are much more about this kind of what Elaine Heath is talking about, mm-hmm. also in the the book that we reference, um, Five
1: Means of, Grace. Means of Grace. Yeah,
0: I mean that's a, that's intended to foster community and not be a small group learning a book of the Bible.
1: Yeah. So, can you share about any groups that you've been in? I know you've talked about some a group at Arapaho you were in.
0: Yeah. Well, so yes. I'm going to bracket that for a minute yeah, you're good. because I was about to say, I, that I meant to say, I think the best modern incarnation of really life-giving transformative groups that aren't stuck in their heads all the time, you know what they are? What? 12-step groups.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: because that's not about learning something. It's mm-hmm. about transformation. Mm-hmm. Whether it's AA, Al-Anon, NA, I mean, there's a long, long list of yeah. people and lots of people in our, who are going to listen to this either know someone in recovery or are in recovery themselves. And that those groups are not about learning. I mean, you have to learn some basic things about the steps and all that, but that it's about personal. It's about vulnerability and, and transformation. And I think, um, to me, you know, when I study the recovery movement in general, there's a lot of overlap between, in my mind, Wesley's small bands yeah. uh, band, or band meetings, small groups. I, that's the terminology gets a little confusing because yeah. it's dated, but they're basically small groups. Um, and those kind of groups. So at Arapaho, uh, Whitney and I helped start um, a Sunday school class that has s- since li- lived its entire life. Like it's not, <laughs> it's, it just dis- it disbanded a couple of years ago. But there was a, it was all younger couples. Um, all of us kind of started having kids at the same time. Um, and that was, it was really, it was important. Like that mm-hmm. was a transformative group. And there was as much happen- that happened socially as happened in the classroom, um, and then yeah, I mean, as clergy, we have covenant groups, yeah, that are not really about studying books so much as
1: sometimes Ted Lasso. Uh, <laughs> yes,
2: as a matter of
0: fact, <laughs> have we talked about that on the podcast?
1: Yeah, because I made the joke how I wasn't invited to it. Mm, right,
0: that's true. <laughs> <I'm> just
1: <kidding. laughs> I just have to give you a hard time. <laughs> wah, wah. Wah, wah. So that's
0: a callback to an earlier podcast. Yeah,
1: so listen to all of them. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> so there's that, and then there's um, I mean, there's like professional groups that we're in. Like you're in a group with TMF, right? Are you talking about like uh, the Apple group? Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, it's actually through the well, it's through Texas Conference. Oh, the Texas Conference. Yeah. Okay. Oh, the Texas Conference. Uh, yes.
0: Okay. So um, that's a whole separate conversation. It's a whole
1: separate <laughs> conversation. <laughs> but yes, but I'm also in just a covenant group with some North Cle- North Texas clergy right. women.
0: Right. Yes. Yep. So I'm in one of those with um with other kind of senior pastors of bigger churches. And then when um when I moved from Henrietta to Sherman, TMF reached out and put together a group of kind of pastors in similar circumstances across our jurisdiction. And because we're type A Methodist, there was a book portion of that every time, you know, we had to read a book and talk about it. I guess what we do. But then there was all there was like the way that The whole thing is designed as you go someplace and you stay there for 36 hours or whatever. And so there's meals and social time. And uh, so I, my own bias on this, my Methodist bias on this for sure is that um, really everybody needs that (laughs) because especially in a church our size, it is very hard to have true community if you're just coming to worship. Mm -hmm. I mean, if that's what you do, great. And that's that can be an important part of your spiritual development but in terms of of connecting and and um doing that kind of early church book of acts <laughs> fellowship koinonia yeah. the word in greek um that's that really only happens in smaller groups yeah or yeah. communes of people doing life together <laughs> with their chickens and lawyers <laughs> and nurses just do you wait. You'll to me jealous. I will not be. <laughs> but I but I but I affirm it. I affirm. It. I'm not I'm not judging it. I'm I'm poking fun at it, but I'm not judging it.
2: You will get the first jar of my peach preserves.
0: I'm 100% on board with that. And I would love to come visit. As and, long as and I can one leave. of you at a time can come visit my family. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want a whole group of people.
1: Oh man. <laughs> Goodness. So, what do you think? <laughs> Ashley's dying. Oh. <laughs> So, what do you think, like, what is really holding people back from wanting to get, to dive into these deeper groups, like, have this deeper community?
0: Fear. Fear. Like, fear. Uh, vulnerability. Yeah. Vulnerability is hard. Mm hmm. It just is. And so is the possibility that you're going to be transformed. Mm hmm. I mean, most of us, I, I think most people are probably pretty aware of their character defects. You know, I, mean, I think most of us know what we're not great at and all that. Um, I think the harder thing is being open to the Holy Spirit transforming that. Mm-hmm. And I think most of us are real clear on what we think and believe. <laughs> and I think most of us are not all that excited about the Holy Spirit changing that either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, you know, Brene Brown's done a whole bunch of work on uh, vulnerability and why, like why we aren't more vulnerable and why we, why we protect ourselves by not really letting people in. And I think, um, you know, when, when you read the story of the church in acts, there's a whole bunch of people that are just totally sold out for this notion of Christ and through the Holy spirit transforming their lives. Yeah. And, um, you know, that the thing is like their moment in time was very different because there was something brand new. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now we're all, I mean, all lots, I mean, I guess 47% of us have a church home already and. Kind of think we got the Christianity thing figured out, and you know, changing. Come on, yeah. I know. I know what it means to be a Christian.
1: <laughs> hey, I got it. I, I got, got it down. I got
0: it. So I'll go, and I'll, and I, I'm, I'm sounding more flippant about this than I'm intending to, but I'll go to worship, and I'll, you know, either love what they're singing or gripe about what they're singing, and I'll agree with what the preacher's saying, or I'll make, get mad and send an email about something I didn't like or whatever. But in terms of like truly being open to to the work of the Spirit in, in my life. Um, that's just a really, that's a, I'm not sure we're great at asking people to do that, first of all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure we're great at setting the expectation. That's what the Christian life's all about. Um, and then once we're even willing to do those two things, then we got to get past the um, reluctance of folks to be
1: open to that. Yeah. Yeah, I I always think about, you know, if you're sitting in the pew or the chair, wherever you are, and if no one in your church community really knows what's going on in your life, what is that? I mean, what does that, what does that mean? Like, I th- are you really just walking in as a shell of a person, or you've got a math, whatever it is? Like, I really think at least some, uh, at least one person in the church. I hope they know what's really going on with you. Mm-hmm. Because how can you really um either be held accountable or how can someone really pray for you? How can someone really love you if if you're not given them the chance to like be Christ to you right? you know right I don't know it just makes me it breaks my heart that I think a lot of people sit in church and are so lonely mm-hmm. and they're not known, and like as Christ follows like we need to be Christ to people Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and people are dying some people are dying to be Christ to someone and they're just waiting for someone to ask them to step into their life in like a really vulnerable deep transformational way I don't know I just I want people just to know one another
0: (laughs) (laughs) so you know the prerequisites for that are trust and compassion and yeah non-judgment and (laughs) things that um You know i mean I, I don't know that like if you were to ask if you were to ask the fifty three percent of Americans who do not have a church home uh, is the church a place where you can that you can trust mm-hmm. and feel compassion and not be judged, yeah rightly or wrongly i'm not, I, I think a relatively high percentage of those fifty three percent would say uh no mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> I'm not doing that, yeah right, and so um you know the it's kind of up to us to to set the table mm-hmm. and to um to kind of provide the emotional and spiritual space for that to be possible and then have the systems in place to connect people to the smaller groups it's complicated it's hard
1: yeah it's not like <laughs> it's a process <laughs> it takes time and it's it's you know people that are willing to to step up and either kind of lead a group or be part of it like it can be intimidating, but, um, it is intimidating. Yes. But, uh, I don't know. I think sometimes we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to like either know all the answers and know exactly what to do. When sometimes some of these groups, like really just people need really great community in the way of like, they feel loved and heard and seen. Like they just feel like they have someone.
0: Um, I don't well, know. so like, so let's talk about the, the Wesleyan groups, those early groups. In the, so we're talking about the 1700s, so 18th century and he's, you know, Wesley, Wesley was a control freak and they didn't <laughs> call us Methodist for nothing, but there was like a script, you know? Yeah. Like, so you would ask each other, how is it with your soul? And mm-hmm. then you'd sit there and wait for an answer. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a, how you doing? Yeah. <laughs> and I think equipping people to be able, like to know what questions to ask, um, and to know that those are going to be asked. Yeah. And so, and you're joining this group knowing that this, that's this kind of spiritual vulnerability and emotional vulnerability that um, that we're all bought into together mm-hmm. uh, is, is important.
1: Yeah. But we've all been in groups where like someone actually shares something real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then usually what happens after is that another person feels safe enough. And then just kind of the dominant effect. So it's like sometimes it just takes one person mm-hmm. to open up and be a little bit more real. Mm-hmm. And then everyone's like, okay, I can do it too. Mm-hmm. And most of the time people are like, oh, me too. You too? Oh my gosh, I thought I was the only one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just taking that first step.
0: Well, because, and then you get into authenticity. Yeah. Which is also what people crave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what very, what, I mean, my default is not to be authentic. Op- like truly me and any kind of random group that I walk into or meeting, Mm -hmm. including a fellow clergy, you know, like that's just not, that doesn't, that doesn't always feel safe. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean we're kind of getting to the core of the matter now. Yeah. Uh, The spirit, the kind of spiritual friendships that we're talking about, the kind of, the kind of community that we're talking about, that's what's truly transformative and that's what really does feel like home. And that is truly where we can grow Mm -hmm. in my opinion.
1: Yeah. And people need that. Um, there's this book called Bullying Alone, and it's just about how we've lost a lot of social capital. Um, you know, people uh, have moved far. Like, they don't live in their hometown. They're living farther and farther away from their family. Um, you're more and more isolated. You don't have as many friends. You know, most people can only handle one to three good friendships. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, handle. What do you mean by like, handle? like manage they
1: yeah manager have the capacity to mm-hmm. so that number has just dwindled you know back in when you know houses multi-generational like your grandparent lived with you whatever Um, you don't have that like so everything that you usually had a good community because you knew one another you had different family members living with you but now that all that's been taken <laughs> kind of taken away just because times have changed people that's contributed to people feeling really lonely Um and so it's been harder. And then like, you know, living here, just the whole concept of um, the way houses have changed, not having front porches, mm-hmm. back alleys, tall fences. You feel really isolated. Do you like, do you know a lot of your neighbors, Chris? <laughs> you just smirked. <laughs> I will say, I hope, I think COVID has, the pandemic has helped people know their neighbors a little bit better.
0: So in Sherman, we knew our neighbors, neighbors really well. We lived there yeah. for several years. And um, that that was not, however, because I was going on knocking on doors. That's not the way I'm worried. Yeah. Uh, we had neighbors that were very social.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's a smaller town and that kind of thing. Here, uh,
1: <laughs> yeah. You don't have – well, you're kind of on a corner. So like you don't have as many yeah. connected to you. You're like in like a little cul-de-sac thing, right? Yeah.
0: It's interesting. So our house—I'm um, kind of just thinking through this now. So our house is across from the community pool, mm-hmm. and uh, it's kind of uh, like the way the lot is. It's kind of—it's—it's it's kind of set back, a little bit imposing, honestly. Yeah. Not by design. It was just you know, the housing housing stock was not. We mm-hmm. we look long and hard for the right house, um, but it's, I, it's not really um what's the it's not inviting you know so we're not on the circle there's a circle right next to us yeah and our neighbors are all very friendly stuff like that but there's yeah. no we haven't done block parties and anything like that
1: but like when the storm uh when you had done damage you like you went next door to get water
0: yeah yeah so there are a couple of, well there are a couple of church members that live close to yeah. us and um and they were awesome and then so whitney knows um, other moms from yeah. PTA and stuff. Sure. So all of our connections were through my extroverted wife. <laughs> 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 like last weekend, so the community pool opened, and um, <laughs> so we, and they bought they brought Kona ice out. And so the the kids went out and we got um, snow cones or whatever, mm-hmm. and Wit went over and was hanging out with the the neighbors and talking to them. And yeah. And I, <laughs> I was doing yard work, and so she comes in. And she's like, you didn't come out and talk to the neighbors. I'm like, I don't want to talk. I, I don't want to. I'm busy. I got other stuff going on. <laughs> so, um, you know, some of that's personality.
1: Yeah. It, I think it. it's funny how some neighborhoods, like, people are like, oh, no one's ever out. Are, my street, like, people are out a lot. So, like, I know pretty much all my neighbors
0: and people yeah. behind me. Yeah, well, there are lots of people out all the time. Yeah. But, but I'm
1: an extrovert and yeah, I seek not, it out. Uh,
0: yeah. So, uh, so uh very dear friend of mine out of Arapahoe, he and I used to run races together. He's the opposite of me. So I'm, you know, the longer I've been in the church, I think the more introverted I've gotten mm-hmm. just because so much of my professional life is yeah. public facing. And yeah, and that's great. I love, I mean, I love people. Uh, but, in, but it, like the, the amount of energy it takes for me to do that is is significant. And so, um, <laughs> Jeff and I, one time we were running a race in Fort Worth and it was like a, yeah, it was like an 8K or something. And I don't run to meet the, my fellow runners. Like I don't care <laughs> the I don't care about the other ten thousand people in this race. Me- meanwhile, Jeff, so we're running together, and I swear to God, he is <laughs> he is talking. He's saying hello to all the water stations, like he's chatting up the course marshal. And I'm like, oh my, it's exhausting running a race with you. I was giving a hard time. Because, mm-hmm. So he like, but he gets energy out off of that. Like he's yeah. just a he is a extremely uh, extroverted, super personable guy who wants to engage with. Random people. Yeah, and I'm the opposite of that. I I don't care about engaging with random people.
1: <laughs> well, you just like you said, you have to be kind of on. Yeah. A lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, anytime you have the opportunity to just be, I just want to. like in my house. Right. I, yeah. I get just it. because
0: this is the day you decided to put cone eyes out there doesn't mean it's the day that I want to go <laughs> chat up the neighbors. <laughs>
1: well, that's
0: so funny. <laughs> Which leads us back to the idea of living in community with a bunch of other people just. lost me
2: have you ever heard of this it's a thing that people say recently hashtag no new friends Mm -mm. Mm -mm. (laughs) have you no so this it's this concept of that and i think what i've been thinking through this conversation is that people's like capacity for vulnerability and openness and everything is not maybe not lower but like there's so many more people we have access to right right. in, in modern life um but it's a thing among like people i know in my age group that it's like we don't invite new people to things (laughs) hashtag no new friends we have our friends yeah everything's good good. i already have to deal with you people (laughs) don't invite new people
1: (laughs) so one of my favorite i just watched i just watched it last night uh ron swanson line from parks and rec is he's like i worked i worked with a guy for three years and never learned his name and he goes we still sometimes never talk (laughs) It's so awesome. And then he's like, when people get too chummy, he calls them by the wrong name, just so they know <laughs> he's not actually friends with them.
0: Wait, who's that actor?
1: Uh, it's Nick Offerman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gosh, yeah. Ron Swanson's a great character.
0: So I'm not like that. No, you're like, not. So I mean, I, I really, I do, I really do love people. But the, the, um, in terms of like engaging with random people on the street or whatever, mm-hmm. or like, I don't know, it's just. My energy is my, my energy for people is spent elsewhere, yeah. And I do think it's a real thing introverts and extroverts. I mean, I, I really do buy into that notion that, um, like there are a lot of introverted pastors, by the way. Yes, there are that you would never know that, like, you would never assume that if you yeah. watch them preach or if you watch him in the narthex on a Sunday morning.
1: Scott's introverted, and you would never know it,
0: never know it because he's, I mean. I never would have guessed that. Yeah. I've spent, you know, a fair amount of time with Scott mm-hmm. and various venues. And so when he's, but, but the thing is when you're on your own and when you're not, you don't want to be.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. All
1: right. So you did say like three, three things that Elaine kind of laid out. Yeah. What, what are those three central elements that mark the Christian community? You had Elaine also?
0: I did. Yeah. Yeah. So Elaine is wonderful. Yes. Her, um, her teaching, <clears throat> she is in a, uh, like her, I guess. That's the word I'm looking for. Professional specialty or whatever mm-hmm. is evangelism. And she's got a great book called The Mystic Way of Evangelism. I could I could do a whole sermon series on that too because I it's really really good. Um, but she she her specialty um, beyond like her discipline I guess is the way to say it is evangelism. Her what she really has focused on is this idea of new monasticism. And it's funny we're talking about this commune con- yeah. concept because, um, Ashley, are you familiar with New Day? So, or the Epworth community. So she, when she was at SMU, like her concept was, and it's interesting, we're talking about 18 to 25-year-olds, right? So typically younger people, unmarried, would um, live together in houses um, and kind of live in this new monastic way. And so um, for a season in their lives, you know, they lived in, in community and were kind of the hands and feet of Christ in these outposts in neighborhoods, right? Mm-hmm. Oftentimes underserved neighborhoods. Is yeah. that fair? Yep. So, and then they're anchored to churches that would provide whatever kind of support they could. It's really, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, so, I, but I didn't, that's a whole very specific part of her work mm-hmm. that didn't, that is awesome. Uh, that didn't really fit with what we were call, talk, necessarily with what we we're talking about with community. That would have been, probably less relevant for our congregation so that ended up on the cutting room floor i was going to do some stuff with that new monasticism because i I find it very compelling but anyway so the in the five means of grace she talks about three elements of christian community true christian community she calls it christian conferencing which is a super (laughs) methodist way (laughs) to talk about it um but the first one is gathering in the name of jesus and um That sounds pretty churchy, Mm -hmm. but to me, it's about, it's a unity thing. Mm -hmm. It's, it's remembering what, what, what we're here for, who, like the way I didn't put this in the sermon either, but I thought about describing it as looking up, looking around and then looking out. Mm -hmm. So we look up first. That reminds us why we're here and enables us to get past our differences. We look around and we, and with each other, we practice these spiritual disciplines that help us grow in, um, in love for God, neighbor and in community. And then we we don't just live for ourselves. Mm-hmm. We, uh, the word she uses from Philippians 2 is canonic, is like we live in a self-giving way, that we remember we're not just here for ourselves. Woofty. We could do a whole thing about yep. churches remembering that we're not just here for ourselves. Now, I, I would not say Christ United, like that's not a criticism of our church because I think we've got a strong and long heritage of um, serving others. Like that's one of, our, one of the things we love to do. Um, but anyway, those are the three gathering in the name of Jesus, um, practicing spiritual disciplines to grow, to grow yeah. us in love for God, and neighbor. And then remembering that we're not here just here for ourselves.
1: I love that. So, yeah, I mean, I am excited for the summer and this fall to, to have these class meetings or bands, or whatever you want to call it. And then more, more of the maybe traditional classes that people are used to, but, um, and
0: I want to be in one and I, it's tricky yeah it's it's tricky for mm-hmm. us, us pastors yes clergy church staff in general, but clergy and clergy specifically, because our role is a little different mm-hmm. in this community um so like uh Whitney is in a terrific Sunday school class, and I'm honestly a little jealous of it <laughs> because yeah. she's like there's these group of folks that are growing in their faith and developing these relationships and you know sunday morning's a work day even if i can be in there now it's only for 20 or 30 minutes yeah so
1: there there is one thing I i want to tell people is that if you are i think people get um stressed out about especially when it comes to like small groups like in their home or if you have like a dinner club or whatever here's the thing like first of all if you're like well, my house is too messy. If you live in that, you will never have people over. Like people don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially um if you've got young kids and you've got laundry, whatever. People want to see like, oh, you're like me. Your life is stressful. You've got a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't need to have fancy food. Order pizza. Um, I think people just use all the excuses like, Well, I don't I don't know if I can cook something great or my house isn't put together. Um you will always say no, 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 no. And then like, if you're looking for the perfect time and all that, then you're never going to have, um, that kind of community or that feel of people coming into your home. And so people just need to let go of that. Um, people just really want to be invited. And I would encourage people like, if you're like, I really want to hang out or I want to have community, keep asking people. Um, I know that I've, I've had people, ask me for like hey whether it's a play date or whatever and sometimes i'm like i can't but please keep asking me and then eventually i I do say yes or Mm -hmm. sometimes i've done that invitation eventually it's just someone to say yes because it works out keep asking Mm -hmm. keep reaching out um i just want to encourage people to do that because i think people just have this mindset that they have to have this perfect setting and this perfect elaborate plan and people just want to be invited And so...
0: Yeah, you know, in addition to starting a um, Sunday school class, Whitney and I were in a dinner club. Arapaho put those together. Arapaho United Methodist Church, our our original church home. Um, And it was not... Like, it was people we wouldn't necessarily have, like, connected with, I guess Mm -hmm. is the way. It's not that we wouldn't have chosen them or whatever, but we wouldn't have gotten connected with them. It was great. You know, we would rotate houses and um, we... And some of them, like, it was just all over the board. Sometimes it was spaghetti. Sometimes it was some kind of gourmet thing because that's what people liked. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it was pizza. And there was prayer. and I mean, no no real specific agenda that was real detailed. Mm-hmm. But that might be something for us to do as well. Yeah. Again, it, we're a much bigger church. Yeah. But the percentage of people who would be interested in that is probably, you know, much smaller than the 5,000 that are on the rolls. So, yeah. Right.
1: And sometimes it's a short term, like six weeks. Exactly. You know, we you don't have to commit to three years of right?
0: Or you do it for a year or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Do it monthly for a year or whatever. Yeah.
1: So look for that. And we want you to say yes.
0: Excellent. That'll be <laughs> coming from the pastor of good ideas. R-A-E-G-A-N <laughs> at C-U-M-C dot com.
1: Oh, I do have a question, Chris. So um, so are you and Whitney creating the home for your, for your boys, for their friends to come over? Like where you feel like you can impact their friends? Like, how are you creating... I've always wanted, like, I want our house to be the fun house for kids. I know. Kids, right? I know.
0: I've always felt like that, too. I mean, this is... As much as I kind of like my little family unit... Yeah. Um, I definitely want to be the home that their kids are... That their friends are... I, I want to be the hangout house.
1: Yeah. So, are um, you doing anything? Because, you know, your kids are... Especially uh, uh, Max, you know, he's getting the teenager. So like next half... year,
0: he's going to be in high school. Yeah, so... We measured him this morning. He's six feet tall. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Um so we so there's some like uh structural things we've like when we were in Sherman we had bought a house with a pool and we had the trampoline like we wanted to be the fun place um I did not want a pool when we moved to Plano because of the maintenance but we live right across from the park and the pool Yeah we also have we bought a house with this huge 400 square foot game room <laughs> like okay. it's, and we've got papa shot in there like we got a much fun like so we have fun things for them to do and plenty of space for them to be in Got you know a hoop in the backyard and all that, um, but then like we we encourage them to invite their kids or their friends over for events, yeah. Or, or I mean, during the pandemic, it's been harder, yeah. But it's been playing online mostly, um. But you know, sleepovers and and that kind of thing, um, sports, and we also encourage encourage them to be involved in a lot of different activities. So obviously they're all in at the church, yeah. <laughs> but then. They're in scouts and then they're in lots of sports. And so they're meeting different types of friends with different backgrounds. Um, I was at the school the other day with Sam after with our youngest after school working while he was playing with friends on the playground. And not one kid looked like him, mm. which just like I got texted a picture to Whitney. And it's like, this is what we were going for, mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um. So the other thing is that, uh, like their mom's super outgoing, <laughs> which is nice, and so she's always connected the neighborhood, PTA, and stuff like that. And obviously, they see my role here. Yeah. And so, um, we we talk a fair amount about like hospitality and friendliness, and 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 um, uh, being the kind of friend you would want others to be for you, and and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yours are a little younger. Yeah, mine are young. But how? So how do you envision that going for y'all?
1: So. Yeah, I mean, we want we want to be the fun house for sure, and so right now we have a really awesome backyard for little kids to play in. Uh, but we're I'm already thinking like, okay, how are we gonna make a cool space for the if we stay in our house long term? Yeah. Like, where's the c- cool space for them to hang out? Yeah. Because um, we just have uh, ranch style, but um, yeah, I think um, we want to be that kind of open door where people can feel safe and they feel loved and accepted and all mm-hmm. of that, and so. Yeah, I mean they're young right now, but you know we we read a lot of books to Andy. We talk a lot about that. How can we be a good friend? How can we um, reach out to people and 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 with our neighbors? Like we try to make sure she's kind and talks to our neighbors. Yeah, and yeah. all of that.
0: I mean, all that has to be taught, mm-hmm. has to be modeled, and has to be taught. When the the house in Sherman, we did we had a pool, and the cool thing about having a pool is all the, like there's always an excuse to come over mm-hmm. there's always an excuse to come hang out and there's a lot of hangout time yeah and uh, whitney really loved that so being across from the neighborhood pool is not quite the same thing but it's you know it's similar in some ways
1: yeah but
0: all right y'all well um hope you had a terrific mother's day this is mother's day is in the rearview mirror um we are in the middle of may which is middle of like ending school stuff which is yeah. kind of crazy yeah so i hope everybody's having a terrific late spring as we get mm-hmm. ready for the summer uh this coming week we're going to be preaching on we're going to wrap up the faith Matters series with um, two of my, my favorite saint of all time saint francis and his protege claire talking about our common mission which means service so mm-hmm. excited about that um, but in the meantime god be with you god go with you Appreciate y'all joining us for another episode of Off Script, and we'll be with you again next week. God bless.
2: Thanks for joining us for this episode of Off Script. It was hosted by Reverend Chris Dowd and Reverend Reagan Gilland, produced by Ashley Danner as a part of the Christ United Podcast Ministries. You can visit cumc.com/podcasts in order to see all of the series we have available. Like, subscribe, and follow us so that you don't miss a single episode. Thank you for supporting us. Have a great week.